Hello, I'm Patricia. This is Sound News, broadcasting from the Old Man Studio in Church Street, Portadown. can only apologise if you've been looking for your wallets for the last two weeks. We've been recording over Twelfth Week, and the following week we had a rather major malfunction of the equipment, which we have now replaced. So this is our first recording of our brand new equipment. This production is for weekending Saturday the 22nd of July. On behalf of everyone here on Talking Newspaper team, welcome to this week's programme. The stories making the headlines this week are from the Portadown Times, Tragedy Lorry Cab to be Sold, and from the Lurgan Mail, Black Paddy Comes to Call. Now it's over to Ken who brings you our first story. The lorry cab used to transport 39 Vietnamese migrants found dead in a trailer by Portadown driver Morris Robinson is to be sold at auction, with the money to be divided between the families who lost loved ones. The victims, aged between 15 and 44, suffocated in the container as it was shipped from Zabruga to Perfleet in Kent in October 2019. Lorry driver Robinson found the migrants dead when he collected the trailer from the docks early the next morning. He was jailed for 13 years and four months after pleading guilty to 39 counts of manslaughter and assisting on lawful immigration as well as money laundering. A confiscation hearing told Robinson he must sell property, a 4x4 vehicle and a watch totalling £21,262 to pay to the victims' families. Robinson's boss, Ronan Hughes of Armagh, had admitted plotting to smuggle people and 39 counts of manslaughter and was sentenced to 20 years. Furthermore, Georgia and Nika of Basildon in Essex and Eamon Harrison from Newry, who had collected the victims on the continent, were also found guilty of the offences. Christopher Kennedy of Keady was jailed for seven years for conspiring to facilitate unlawful immigration. Others from the UK and Belgium have also been jailed for their role in the smuggling service. Mark Woods of Wilson's Auctions Limited confirmed that the cab would be sold in a closed auction and will not return to the road, adding all money generated from the auction will be sent to the 39 Vietnamese victims' families. A visit to Lurgan by Dublin-based comedian and entertainer Fabu D has gone down a storm with his huge online following. The popular personality shared a video of a recent trip to the town by his alter ego, Black Paddy, during which he met various local people, downed a couple of Guinness and gave his support to a very worthwhile local mental health charity. Black Paddy's comic videos about his visits to places all over Ireland regularly go viral and Lurgan is the latest area to get the Fab UD treatment. The town and its friendly people in particular get an enthusiastic thumbs up from Black Paddy who chatted to lots of locals asking them what is so good about Lurgan. Amongst his observations were that the pub served great Guinness and that there are so many barber shops. What a lovely spot everyone I met was so witty. I had a great time, he posted afterwards. Connor Hegarty from Just a Chat met up with Black Paddy to show him around a couple of favourite spots in the town, the vintage and the cellar, where the visitor found the unusual location of the toilet highly amusing. 
We spoke in depth about our mission to raise awareness of mental health in our community and highlighted the amazing effect he has on people with his positivity. Black Paddy was a key supporter of our charity and is coming up to appear in our charity match on August the 6th versus Oxford Sunnyside to raise awareness of mental health in our community, said Connor. The crack was brilliant in the vintage and the cellar, with great Guinness and banter all around, with both bars getting a 10 out of 10 rating. There was also a visit to Brownlow House to view the landscape and underground war memorial. Just a chat's newly launched football team aims to hold regular matches and offer people the opportunity to come and take part if they are suffering from mental health issues or simply want to get involved in a positive group of like-minded individuals. The aim of the match on August 6th is not only to raise essential funds for a charity, but to also raise awareness of mental health in the local area. Just a Chat was set up to raise awareness and combat the stigma of mental health for youths between the ages of 11 to 18. For more details, go to https-justachat.co.uk forward slash. Its aim is to ensure that every young person is aware of what to do when either themselves, family or friends are faced with mental health issues. The charity focuses on preparation and prevention so that if a young person faces issues, they have the adequate tools of what to do and information on where to go for help. While there are a lot of organisations that offer help, Just a Chat feels the younger age group are unable or not aware of how to access them. We aim through face-to-face interaction to bridge the gap and ensure that all youths have the correct information and knowledge on what to do and where to go when in need, the charity says. The Rota Chemist. During the week ahead, urgent prescriptions will be dispensed at the following addresses, starting with Waterdown. On Sunday the 23rd of July, the chemist is Boots of West Street, which is open from 11 until 12 noon. Next week, from Monday the 24th of July, the chemist is Hamel of Thomas Street, open until 7pm. There is no Rota chemist in Portadown after Wednesday. Lurgan residents can collect prescribed medicines on Sunday the 23rd of July when the chemist is Boots of High Street, which is open from 7 till 8pm. Next week, from Monday the 24th of July, the chemist is McKeagney of Edward Street, which is open until 7pm. There is no Rota chemist in Lurgan on Wednesday and none in either town on Saturday. Sunday opening applies in both towns for public holidays. Crime. The death in prison last Friday, July the 14th, of notorious gangster James Jim Carlyle is not being treated as suspicious. From Craigavon, Carlyle was a regular before the courts, racking up more than 170 criminal convictions. Regarded as ruthless, he was involved in a multitude of crimes, including armed robbery, theft, drug dealing, serious brutal assaults and threatening behaviour. He was no stranger to violence, having narrowly escaped death seven years ago when the then-fledgling gang, The Firm, tried to kill him. They had Carlisle on their hit list as they attempted to expand their drug dealing into the wider Craigavon area. In 2011, Carlisle had been in a feud with another criminal, Hugh McGough, who was shot dead 
along with his wife Jacqueline at their home in Legahori, Craigavon. Carlyle and an associate, Malcolm McKeown, were charged with the murders, but the charges were dropped in 2013. McKeown was shot dead outside a filling station in Warringstown four years ago. While no one has claimed responsibility, it is believed McKeown was shot by members of the firm. A number of people are facing charges following this murder. On March the 21st, 2016, Carlyle was hit several times in a drive-by shooting close to the gates of St Brendan's Primary School in the Myraverty area of Craigavon, just as children were getting out from school at 3pm. It is understood he went to the school wearing a bulletproof vest in order to pick up his young daughter. Frightened teachers ushered terrified children back into the school while others hunkered down in a bus outside the school. Police arrived and ambulance staff treated Carlyle at the scene before rushing him to hospital. He survived that attack despite suffering significant injuries. Carlyle was living in Harbour Road, Kilkeel at the time of the latest charges before court, which included attempted murder, inflicting grievous bodily harm with intent, causing actual bodily harm and common assault, all said to be aggravated by domestic abuse and alleged to have been committed on the 30th of June this year. He also faced accusations of witness intimidation, which related to a domestic incident on Friday, June the 30th this year. Carlyle had also pleaded guilty to grievous bodily harm, common assault, possession of a weapon, namely a knife, and attempted intimidation over an incident involving a brutal attack on a woman in the Craigavon area in October 2021. The woman was left blind in one eye. A Northern Ireland Prison Service spokesman confirmed the death in custody yesterday of a 42-year-old man, adding his next of kin has been informed. As a standard practice, the PSNI, coroner and prisoner ombudsman have been informed. The prison service would like to extend his sympathy to the family of the man at this difficult time. A PSNI spokesman said, police received a report of the sudden death of a man in Her Majesty's Prison, McGabry, yesterday, Friday, the 14th of July. The death is not being treated as suspicious. While we were away, we had the 12th parades and they were in Lorgan and in Portadown. And according to the Portadown Times, the rain failed to dampen spirits as the public participated in the festivities across Northern Ireland to celebrate the 12th of July as Grandmaster Edward Stevenson welcomed international visitors to enjoy a carnival atmosphere. People of all ages came together to celebrate the 333rd anniversary of the Battle of the Boyne across 19 different venues in the province. Now the paper is filled with photographs and of the two uh, we've got um, photographs but without captions. So we've got the Pride of the Birches as mentioned, the Pride of the Birches accordion band and we've got the upper band Fusiliers who marched in Portadown. We've got Daughters of Laura, LOL, the Daughters of Laura Junior, LOL. We've got Brethren of LOL 9 and of LOL 352. We've got Craigavon Protestant Boys Flute Band, Bray Silver Band. Uh, we've got the Portadown True Blues and we've got the Portadown Worshipful Master, Nigel Gosson laid a wreath at the at Portadown War Memorial. We've also got the Northern Ireland Secretary of State, 
actress Heaton Harris, who uh, was in Lurgan, along with Kathy Tinsdale of the DUP, who's currently the mayor, and Carla Lockhart, MP, also DUP, a local MP. And the other pages are filled of pictures with no captions, so we're going to leave it at that, but apparently there was lots of pictures and they all had a great time despite the rain. band workshop and drum major displays. We have several photographs of the events included in the paper. Members of the County Armagh drum major class entertained crowds at the pre-bonfire fun day and included their class tutor Andrea Gibson. The Castles family are shown enjoying the barbecue which was run by Kyle Branion and Johnny Russell. Plenty of face painting took place, ice cream was had and various other entertainments were included. And we also have all revved up at the Birches. Apparently the Birches Vintage and Classic Car Club's recent annual rally was in support of the NI Children's Hospice. And we have pictures of, uh, lots of pictures of tractors. We've got the McCracken family and their uh, three children. We've got classic cars. One of them's got the bonnet up, so presumably it's let people see what's in it. But uh, it's a vintage Wolseley, apparently. And we have Fletcher family who brought the dog along. We have a rather uh, strange-looking uh, road roller. It's a magnificent steam traction engine, and. Uh, Standing in front of it is John Wilson, MBE, Daphne Wilson and Alan Kerr. We've also got uh, classic cars, a number of them. Mostly children standing grinning at the camera, including a couple taking a selfie with the DeLorean car. And that was Julie Jimison and her father, Stanley Troughton. They all seem to be enjoying themselves and it doesn't look as though it was raining either. Okay. On a normal day, you could walk from one end of Scarva to the other in around 15 to 20 minutes. However, on the 13th, there are times when you can't get moving at all given the scale of proceedings. The enormous parade through the village to Scarva House, comprising 4,000 members of the Royal Black Institution and around 70 bands, started at 11.15am and finished two hours later, another indication of the magnitude of this occasion. At no point along the one-mile route was there a crowd of not less than three people deep, and many of the green areas were awash with picnic rugs, foldable chairs and gazebos, a case of everything but the kitchen sink. Soprano, Clara Wilson performed a number of songs before the parade began, including Rule Britannia, You've Got a Friend in Me, and Pack Up Your Troubles, for the crowd gathered at Scarva House. There were addresses by the Sovereign Grand Master, the Reverend William Anderson, and contributions by Andrew Boyce, Worshipful Master of RPB 1000, and the Reverend Jason Lingia, Imperial Deputy Grand Chaplain. As usual, the sham fight was a big attraction, with, not surprisingly, King William, again the victor. Local Government. ABC councillors were due to convene a special meeting yesterday, Wednesday, amid simmering tensions 
over the makeup of the Council's Party Leaders Forum. In June, the DUP backed a Sinn Féin proposal to remove from the Behind Closed Doors Forum those parties with only one seat on the Council and independence, thereby denying the SDLP, TUV and Alderman Paul Berry a voice on the Forum. While not a decision-making body, the Forum has previously been described as a sounding board for Council officers. In previous Council terms, Alderman Berry and other single-member parties, such as UKIP, each had a seat at the table. The UUP's Alderman Ian Burns wrote to Lord Mayor Alderman Margaret Tinsley requesting a special meeting with the purpose of discussing the party leaders' forum in an open session, a request since approved. In a social media post at 6pm on Sunday, July the 16th, a council spokesperson confirmed the meeting would take place on Wednesday, July 19th. Signed by the borough's six UUP councillors, SDLP councillor Thomas O'Hanlon, TUV councillor Keith Radcliffe and Alderman Berry, Alderman Burns's letter said of the proposed meeting. As you will be aware, this is already in the public domain and as there is no financial cost attributed, we believe an open session of full council is adequate. We are concerned that the minority voice of council is being diminished. It is our intention, should not you not accede to our request, to proceed in line with the process set out in Standing Order 3.2. The Council Standing Order 3.2 says the Lord Mayor must call a meeting of council if a request for such a meeting, supported by nine members, one-fifth of the total number, is presented to him or her. If the Lord Mayor either refuses or does not call the meeting within seven days of service of the request, then the nine members may call a meeting of council at the expiration of that period. Currently, Sinn Féin has 15 seats on ABC Council, the DUP has 13 and the UUP has 6 and the Alliance Party has 4, while the SDLP, TUV and independence of one each. The party leaders' forum is now made up of the Lord Mayor, the Alliance Party's group leader, the DUP's group leader, Sinn Féin's group leader and the UUP's group leader. Traffic lights failure prompts call for action. The Department for Infrastructure says NAA Network's power failures are responsible for recent traffic signal outages at Lurgan's Edward Street, Parkview Street, Francis Street Junction. A number of motorists reported near misses while navigating the junction on Tuesday past, and Sinn Féin councillor Mary O'Dowd called on the road service to find a permanent fix to faults which had plagued the lights for many years, she said. I've lost count of the number of times over recent years that these lights have failed, she said. Road service sticking plaster approach to repairs is obviously not working. However, a department spokesman said the power failures were beyond its control and advised motorists to follow the highway code and if traffic lights were not working, to treat the situation as they would an unmarked junction or crossing and proceed with great care. The department would continue to monitor the signals, the spokesman said. A permanent ban on chopping down trees has been slapped on a section of a Lurgan industrial estate 
after residents raised the alarm with Armagh, Bambridge and Craigavon Council. Residents in the Ansborough area were up in arms after trees between their homes and the industrial estate were removed at the beginning of the year. SDLP representative for Lurgan, Kieran Toman, revealed he had first raised the issue in January and the council immediately started enforcement action, serving a provisional tree protection order, TPO, which was valid for six months on the land in question. I am pleased to inform residents and community that the council has now made the TPO permanent, he said. Without permission sought from the relevant authorities, the scale of the destruction to trees and hedgerows was quite shocking. It created an eyesore for residents and removed that important visual and noise barrier between industrial businesses and residential homes. Council was the only party to act on this matter. It served the provisional TPO and have now confirmed it permanently. I want to thank Council for doing what they could within their responsibility. A small number of trees are in very poor condition and they must be removed. However, the majority of trees and boundary from residential developments will now be protected from removal. This is a welcome step to preserve the biodiversity of the area. Let this be a lesson to whatever developer thinks they can do what they want. A spokesperson for the council said the council served a provisional tree preservation order on part of the Ansborough Industrial Estate Lurgan on 10th of January 2023, which was subsequently confirmed with modifications on the 3rd of July 2023. The council can confirm that there are no current planning applications on this area of land in which the TPO relates. However, an application for proposed two storage and distribution buildings was approved adjacent and to the rear of 22 and 24 Ansborough Industrial Estate, Lurgan, on the 8th of December 2020, which is currently under construction. An investigation is being carried out to determine the structural stability of Lurgan's Irish National Foresters Building, after part of a wall collapsed during renovations, Armagh City, Banbridge and Craigavon Borough Council has said. Part of a wall at the Irish National Foresters collapsed on July the 6th, with the road between Church Place and Ulster Street shut to traffic. Pedestrians are permitted on that stretch of North Street and businesses are open as normal. However, it has led to the street, which is usually busy, finding footfall much quieter since the closure. It has also led to regular large traffic build-ups in William Street and other surrounding streets, particularly when the railway gates are closed. A spokesman for Armagh City, Banbridge and Craigavon Borough Council said the Foresters building in North Street, Lurgan, is currently cordoned off with health and safety measures in place due to a partial structural collapse. Council officers are working with partner organisations to ensure public safety and investigate the structural stability of the building. At this stage, it is too early to assess the overall structural impact the collapse has had on the building. Members of the public are advised that it is business as usual for all retailers and service providers located on North Street. Pedestrian access is available, with all businesses operating as normal. And we have phone kiosk listing plan ends qualified response. 
Okay, we have... Though raising no objections of their own, ABC Council planners have signalled they would be supportive of any concerns that might come from a nearby property owner in response to Department for Communities plans to list a telephone kiosk at Tartarahan. A July 5 planning committee meeting heard of DFC proposals to list a telephone kiosk outside 4 Aubrey Avenue off the Clontalieu Road. The reported reasons for recommending listing including the kiosk style, proportion, ornamentation, quality, survival of interior, age, authenticity, authorship, social and cultural economic importance, rarity and local interest. DFC describes the kiosk as a K6 model of cast iron construction built to Sir Giles Gilbert Scott's standardised design of 1935 and advises that, despite the loss of the original glazed panels, it is still an iconic piece of street furniture, which is now increasingly rare. The kiosk, which appears at the location, appears at... It appears to be between 1954 and 1964. is further described as being within the visual range of the listed vernacular public house and adding greatly to the distinctiveness of the settlement of Tartarahan. It bears a St Edward's crown motif, introduced in the mid-1950s, following Queen Elizabeth II's coronation. There is no relevant planning history on the site. It is adjacent to local landscape policy area and is in close proximity to a number of listed buildings. Council officers proposed a draft response, which advises that the council has no objections to the proposed listing but would be supportive of the property owner if they were to raise any concerns. Alderman Gareth Olson asked if the kiosk would be relocated if necessary should it be listed, adding, I'm not quite sure as to the process of delisting something, even temporarily, to get it moved, but it sounds like a nightmare. In this instance, there is a property quite close and I know that some consultation takes place, but in terms of the residents, should they be made more aware about this? It is down to this issue where residential views are not taken on board or given much weight in this process, and that doesn't sit well with me. A senior planning officer said, Historical environment decision has a statutory obligation to consult with the owner of the kiosk and the council. They told me BT was the owner, and they had consulted with them. The officer said, There is no public consultation on it. There is only consultation there is. Councillor Paul Duffy proposed the draft response be approved. Who is to say they wouldn't need disabled parking or anything like that in front of that house in years to come? But we are where we are. Alderman Glenn Barr asked if the kiosk might be temporarily delisted, moved a couple of metres and listed again. If anyone wanted to make any alteration, including an alteration to move it, they would have to apply for listed building consent, said the planning officer. Councillor Fergal Donnelly seconded the proposal and the Chamber agreed. Sentences which were repeated. <laughs> Death in the community and obituary. Boo. In a way, Pauling Davina, 17th of July 2023, peacefully at home. Beloved wife of Robert, 222 Kernan Hill Manor, Portadown. And dear mother of Melanie, Caroline and Adrian. Funeral service in the old meeting house, 24A Portmore Street, Portadown, 
BT 62 3NG, Thursday the 20th of July at 11am. Donations, if desired, payable to Dementia NI, care of Alan Ray and Company Funeral Directors, the old meeting house at the address already mentioned. Lovingly remembered by all the family circle, the Lord is my shepherd. A remarkable man who passed away earlier this year at the age of 104 has left an incredible legacy as one of the oldest YouTubers in the world. When he began his working life at the age of 14 in a weaving mill in Waringstown, Eric Cull couldn't have imagined the way technology would develop over the years and change his life. At a ripe old age, he embraced the ever-changing advancements of the internet, grasping its potential with both hands to talk to people across the world about his strong Christian faith. The centenarian became one of the oldest YouTubers around, using the popular online video site to share his faith far and wide. It means that now, even after his death, people worldwide are being encouraged through the Wayside Pulpit, where it describes 104-year-old Eric as being excited to be able to share the word of the Lord via this platform. It has been recalled that while he was at the local school, a visiting inspector heard Eric read a poem. He remarked, The boy's voice will be heard by many all around the world. In the 1920s, when poverty was rife and cassette tapes, CDs and eventually YouTube were mediums of communication that weren't even dreamt of, this seemed a bit far-fetched. But later, these words have proved prophetic and encouraging to Eric. Born in Waringstown on April 26, 1919, Eric was the eldest of six children, William, George, Cecil and his two sisters, Emma and Hazel. At 104 years of age, he outlived them all. Eric married Phyllis Clyde and they had three children, Mary, Andrew and Ruth. Phyllis died in 1962 and Eric was left with three young children to bring up. While they were living in Drumgask in the 1950s, Eric became involved in Christian broadcasting, with his first studio being in a converted pigsty next to his home. Eric moved to Wolverhampton as a caretaker in a block of flats and settled there. He married Joyce and after 36 happy years together, she died in 2021. They were both involved for many years in hospital radio and Eric was said to be Britain's oldest radio DJ at the age of 96. Joyce was a willing partaker in his Christian ministry and together they circulated many tapes and CDs to all parts of the world. After Joyce's death, a young friend, Lee Wood, encouraged Eric to send his words of comfort and encouragement to the fearful and anxious in a world very different to the one he grew up in. These talks on YouTube have been and will continue to be heard all around the world in places as far as Thailand, USA, Australia and South Africa. Eric's long life and his desire to share his strong faith meant that he could share from personal experience most of life's traumas and tragedies, including the sudden death of his son Andrew. 
He felt he could sincerely empathise with those who needed to hear of God's love and saving grace. Eric's family all have many fond memories of time spent with him. He is survived by his sister Mary and her husband Chris, who live in the USA, and his daughter Ruth, who lives in Kent. His late son Andrew's children, Rebecca and Adam, and great daughter Elsie. His stepson Michael, wife Vicky, and children Finlay and Daisy. Eric passed away on May the 4th, 2023. He was both loved and respected by all who knew him and will be sadly missed by many, including numerous relatives in Lurgan and the Worringstown area, as well as many old friends and neighbours. We have one advert for you here. SD Kells have a summer sale and with some items up to half price from the men's, ladies, children's and bed linen section. And you can find SD Kells in Lurgan, Portadown and Bambridge. Sport. A group of girls from Lurgan created lifetime memories when as part of their involvement in Ulster's GAA's Cahoolan initiative, they travelled to London to represent their schools and town in the All-Britain competition. The Cahoolan initiative is Ulster's GAA flagship cross-community programme, which brings together young people from different community backgrounds through Gaelic games. The Lurgan Cahoolans, girls from Lurgan Junior High School, Brownlow Integrated College and St Ronan's College took part in the under-16 girls competition. Despite being a team of players with little or no experience playing Gaelic games, they acquitted themselves with distinction, showing incredible skills, passion and teamwork as they came up against established clubs from throughout Britain. In the group stages, the girls enjoyed wins over St Colum Kills, Parnells and St Joseph's and progressed through to the cup quarter-finals. Following a tight encounter with North London Shamrocks, the girls emerged two-point winners. In the semi-finals, they came up against the London County Champions, and despite battling hard, they lost out to the eventual competition winners. Ulster GAA President Kieran McLaughlin said, The Cahoolan Initiative continues to demonstrate the power of sport in bringing the youth in our communities together, with the incredibly positive outcome of creating lifetime friendships. The real success of this weekend and the Cahoolan Initiative has been the memories and friendships that the girls have gained throughout their engagement in the programme. This year we were delighted to have the support of Ulster LGFA in delivering this project and I would like to express my thanks to them and for contributing to the successful trip. I also want to acknowledge the funding for the initiative from the Executive Office Ulster GAA is very appreciative for the TEO support. Finally, I also want to praise the schools for their participation and the teachers who gave up the first week of their summer holidays to accompany the pupils, making it possible for these young people to have such an experience. Worringstown will meet Leinster in the Irish Senior Cup final on home turf next month after they booked their spot in the ninth decider by beating Pembroke on Sunday. The villagers hold the record for most Irish Cup triumphs, winning the competition six times in total, the last of which came in 2018 against Merion. And Greg Thompson's side will be hoping to add a seventh to their collection when the lawn hosts the biggest match of the year on August the 12th. 
Battling first against their Leinster-based opponents, Waringstown got off to a flying start with half-centuries from Adam Denenson, 51, Pat Botha, 63, setting the platform before Ireland international Graham Hume, Hume, 54, helped him to reach 248 after a mini-collapse in the middle order. Ross Allen, 135, made an important breakthrough for the hosts when he had JJ Garth, 45, caught and bowled before Captain Thompson's 235, picked up the crucial wicket of Ireland star Lochran Turk Tucker for a third ball duck shortly after. Waringstown were able to keep the pressure on through whom? Three for, 30, for 46 and spinner James Cameron Doe, two for 41, held his nerve in the final over to see Latent's seven-run victory. The Irish National Cup will be an NCU affair after both Derryaki and Cliftonville Academy won their semi-finals on Sunday. Derryaki looked down and out after being dismissed for 119 by Rush, but a remarkable bowling effort led by Craig Lewis, 3-31, who picked up the important scalp of Ireland international Neil Rock and Captain Curtis Moorhead, 3-39, resulted in a dramatic 15-run triumph. Cliftonville Academy were made to work for their three-wicket victory over Muckamore, with Jared Wilson, 67, capping off a weekend to remember by seeing his side home with a crucial knock. The all-rounder collected figures of 6 for 40 in Saturday's Premier League win over Derryaki to go top of the wicket-taking charts in his maiden NCU campaign. Elsewhere, CSNI won a third consecutive Gallagher's Women's Challenge Cup after beating North Down by 70 runs at Wallace Park. Sarah Rowntree, 34, starred for the Stormont side as they posted 139 for 5 before player of the match Emily Carvel collected the figures of 3 uh, for 11 with North Down bowled out for 69. The 77th Bangor Open Tournament got underway last uh, Monday week with a good representation of Lurgan bowlers. Terry Miller, Eileen Robson, Sam McCombs and John Gilliland reached the final of the Open Fours and Nigel Hamilton won through to the Open Singles Final. John Gilliland's rink went through from the group stages with a tie-end win and went on to beat the other Lurgan Fours skipped by Ronan Cregan. A hard semi-final lay ahead but John's rink outbowled a Bangor Four skipped by seasoned bowler Robert Hastings by 12-5 to and faced another Bangor rink skipped by Thomas Canavan in what was to be a tight final. Lorgan holding a one-shot lead after the sixth end. On the next end, Gilliland's hit rink dropped three shots for the Bangor four to take a 5-7 lead, but the Lurgan four recovered to 7-0 after eight ends. Gilliland's rink took the penultimate end by two shots to lead 9-7, going into the last. Sam McCombs delivered his best two bowls of the match to lie shot, but was denied it when Canavan took it with his first bowl to hold two shots. Gilliland bowled his one right to the edge of Canavan's closest, but didn't dislodge it. Nothing changed with Canavan's first bowl, so Gilliland delivered his with a yard on to restrict the Bangor rink to the one shot. Canavan failed to reach the head to allow the Lurgan Four to win by a single shot and emerge 2023 Bangor Tournament Open Champions. 
Nigel Hamilton overcame tough opposition to reach the Open Singles final, facing Castle bowler Jim Corey. Where the match was 4-4 at four ends, Nigel dropped two shots in the fifth to fall behind, but recovered to lead 7-6 on the next end. With two ends to go, he led 9-6, but Corey finished the penultimate end with four shots in his favour and took the last end to deny Nigel the title. What a mighty feat for Nigel to reach even that stage while having to win his way through five matches on his way to the final. The ladies of Lurgan Bowling Club were away to Bally Home on the 7th of July. On the low, it would be nice to see a bit of sunshine in July. The day was wet and windy, and it was agreed before the match that there would be 15 ends played instead of the usual 18. Rink 1 with Skip Doreen Whelan produced a great game, taking control from the outset with Ballyhome only winning four ends. They just couldn't match the ladies in this rink, in particular the oldest player, Aris Anderson, who at 90 years of age played an amazing game. The score finished Lurgan 22, Ballyhome 5 for a valuable league point. Angela Thompson's team on rink 2 fought hard and won 10 of the 15 ends, but the shots were not enough as Ballyhome took two ends with three shots each and one end with six shots. These high scores were too much for the Lurgan team, ending in a score of Lurgan 12, Ballyhome 15. Ring 3 with Eileen Rob- Robson as skip saw a tight match, and on the eighth end it was all even at eight shots each. The final seven ends proved to be more like a tennis match as Ballyhome gained a shot, then Lurgan, and on this twelfth end it was all even again with 11 shots each. Ballyhome finished just ahead of the Lurgan ladies with a score 13 shots to Lurgan's 12. A close finish, but another well-earned league point. The final overall score of Ballyhome 33, Lurgan 46, resulted in four points to Lurgan at the end of a wet and windy afternoon. They go into the second half of the season with a match at home to Dungannon and hope to close on league leaders Portadown with a good win on the day. Loch Golf Football Club is hosting its ever-popular annual golf classic at Loch Golf Golf Club on Friday, July 28th, and a warm invitation has been issued to all to help make it a success. Now in its 24th year, the individual Stableford competition is a firm favourite in the local golfing calendar, with lots of prizes on offer for all levels of golfers. Tea times from 12 noon to 4.30pm can be booked by contacting Jim Carberry on 07851-124672. Anyone hoping to take part is urged to get in contact as soon as possible to avoid disappointment. The entrance fee is £40 per player and includes a steak meal back at Lochgall FC Club Rooms on completion of the round. There are concessions for members of Loch Club Club. The Lurgan and Craigavon areas will be the first in Northern Ireland to experience Football Fun Factory, FFF. The business founded in 2017 by James Cutting before he was joined by Johnny Martin in 2019 is headed by former Manchester United player Luke Chadwick. The County Armagh-based franchise will be led by head coach Ian Hanna, a respected trainer with Lurgan Town Football Club. 
Chadwick, who played under Sir Alex Ferguson at Old Trafford, as well as having spells at clubs including Reading, Burnley, West Ham, Stoke, Norwich and MK Dons, spoke to the Lurgan Mail ahead of the local programme's launch on Monday, August 7th. The retired player explained, We're really excited to be launching Football Fun Factory in Northern Ireland, with Lurgan our first location. We have FFF franchises operating in England, Scotland and Wales, and it's brilliant to now be coming to Northern Ireland. We will hopefully spread out across Northern Ireland and give as many children the opportunity to enjoy our experiences. Football Fun Factory will cater for children aged from 2 to 12. TOTS Football Fun will work with children up to the age of 5, while the older children will take part in football fun and development training sessions. The TOT classes will be held at South Lake Leisure Centre on Sunday mornings. The football development sessions will be staged on Monday, South Lake Leisure Centre, Wednesday, Lurgan Town Football Club, and Friday, Lurgan Town Football Club. I know there are plans in the pipeline for more FFF franchises across Northern Ireland. We have around 80 bookings so far ahead of our launch, and I can't wait to welcome all of the children at the start of next month to Football Fun Factory launches in Lurgan. For more information about the Football Fun Factory in Lurgan, check out the website at thefootballfunfactory.co.uk forward slash contact forward slash Lurgan dash Craig Avon or visit Football Fun Factory Facebook page. £2,127 was raised at Mr Colin McKeever's President's Day at Portadown Golf Club on Saturday, June the 24th. The funds were raised from a golf competition, an afternoon tea for more than 50 invited guests, organised by the President's wife, Ailish McKeever, who has been a hospice volunteer for more than 20 years. Funds were also raised from an evening reception and prize presentation. The cheque was presented to Armagh Hospice CEO, Liz Cuddy. Runners who took part in a marathon have handed over a cheque to the Southern Area Hospice. Norma and Colin Bruce, who took part in the Belfast Marathon Relay, have presented a cheque for £840 to James McCaffrey, SAHS fundraising officer. James said he wished to thank the team who were involved for their amazing efforts. General News Ulster Carpets have extended their sponsorship with professional golfer Olivia Mahaffey from Scarva. The Portadown firm described Olivia, a professional player on the Ladies European Tour, as a positive role model. Nick Coburn, managing director of Ulster Carpets, said, We've supported Olivia since she turned professional in 2021 and we're looking forward to seeing where the next steps on her journey take her. Olivia continues to be a positive role model and we are particularly supportive of her determination to inspire more young women in sport. Olivia said, I am delighted to continue with my sponsorship with Ulster Carpets. It is very special to me having the support of such a successful local company. June was the warmest month in Armagh for at least 228 years since records began at Armagh Observatory. It was also the driest June for eight years and the sunniest June for 14 years, according to the observatory, which has been keeping records since 1796. 
It said the average temperature was approximately 17.35 Celsius, a record 3.92 Celsius warmer than the 225-year-long average for June in Armagh. A spokesperson for Armagh Observatory said following a relatively cool June of 2022, this was the warmest June on record at Armagh, beating the previous record set nearly 180 years ago, 16.9 Celsius in June 1846, by nearly 0.5 Celsius. The six warmest Junes at Armagh are now June 2023, 17.4 Celsius, June 1846, 16.9 Celsius, June 1826, 16.4 Celsius, and June 2018, 16.2 Celsius, June 1887, 15.9 Celsius, and June 1970, 15.8 Celsius. The spokesperson said, although the month was much warmer than average, there were no exceptionally hot days. The highest maximum air temperature was a warm 28.5 Celsius on the 13th. But this was only the ninth warmest June day on record at Armagh. This was followed by 26.9 Celsius on the 16th and 26.6 Celsius on the 15th. Rather, the month's exceptional average temperature occurred because each day's maximum air temperature was warmer than the most recent, that is 1991 to, 19 to 2020, 30 years, average of 18.3 Celsius. The three coolest days, lowest maximum temperature, were 18.5 Celsius on the 7th, 18.6 Celsius on the 8th, and 18.7 Celsius on the 30th. And the mean monthly maximum temperature, 22.7 Celsius, exceeded the most recent 30-year average, 18.3 Celsius, by a remarkable 4.4 Celsius. The nights, too, were relatively warm, the warmest occurring on the 24th, with a highest minimum temperature of 17.2 Celsius. This was followed by 16.1 Celsius on the 11th and then by 15.5 Celsius, a value that occurred on three nights, the evening of the 17th and early morning of the 23rd and 25th. There were three nights with ground frost, that is, nights with minimum grass temperatures less than or equal to zero Celsius. These were minus 0.8 Celsius on the 3rd, minus 0.5 Celsius on the 7th and 0.0 Celsius on the 8th. There were no nighttime air frosts. Four buzzards were seen circling overhead on the morning of the 11th. The same evening, a very large flock of possibly more than 150 crows was seen flying towards the southwest. A clattering of more than 200 jackdaws was also seen flying southwest on the evening of the 22nd. Rain measured a total of 42 millimetres with June 2023, the driest June at Armagh for eight years. Though drier than normal, it rained on more than half the days of June. Thunder was heard on the 18th, 19th, 20th and 25th. June 2023 was much sunnier than average with a total of 220 0.1 hours of strong sunshine. This was the sunniest June at Armagh for 14 years, that is since June 
2009. The month had nearly 38% more strong sunshine than 140 year long term. That's 1881 to 2020. Average at Armagh, 159.7 hours. And 52% more than the recent 30 year average of 144.6 hours. The sunniest day with 13.2 hours of strong sunshine occurred on both the 4th and the 22nd, followed by the 9th. Six re- retailers in the wider Portadown, Craigavon and Lurgan areas have collected 112 bags of rubbish from some of the area's most popular spots, as well as the neighbourhoods in which they operate. A team from P&G Eurospar in Portadown took away 27 bags of rubbish from their local residential area. Willis's Spar, also in Portadown, cleaned up 40 bags of rubbish from the Anamore area, while Spar Tandragee focused on the Oaks Park and Tandragee Recreation Centre and Play Park, taking away 14 bags to be disposed of properly. Eurospar Lurgan, alongside Vivo Lockview, concentrated on the busy Gilpinstown Road, and surrounding areas along with the town centre. The teams were from six of the 175 stores that have completed a clean-up of their areas in recent months. Litter picks have been taking place across Northern Ireland after Henderson Group, which owns the Spar, Eurospar and Vivo brands, invested in kits for each store. The kits include large bin bags, pickers, high-visibility vests and gloves, as well as in-store signage to encourage shoppers to use the bins provided. The signage is dotted throughout stores, but prominently displayed beside the high litter-generating products such as plastic bottles, to continue to remind shoppers to dispose of their waste appropriately. The early success of the campaign, which has seen retail teams returning 1,626 bags to be disposed of correctly, will see stores continue to help clean up their communities regularly, with focus events taking place annually. A charity fundraising event in memory of an inspirational and much-loved boy will be held at Craigavon Lakes on Saturday, August the 5th. The 24-hour walking challenge is in aid of the charity Be Positive, formed by NIE Networks employee Sarah and her husband David Watson from Banbridge, who sadly lost their son Adam to acute leukaemia in August last year. The event was held for the first time last year as a 24 Hours for Little Heroes challenge around Craigavon Lakes, and it was such a success that Be Positive has decided to make it an annual event. Nine-year-old Adam passed away just days before last year's 24-hour fundraising challenge, which his parents insisted had to take place as originally planned. This year's event will run from 11am on Saturday, August the 5th, through to 11am on Sunday the 6th. Also being planned is a full day's entertainment on the Saturday, with DJ Greener kicking off the fun, followed by music to suit all tastes, including from Banbridge Ukes, Whiskey Before Breakfast, The Dukes and Kayla Lennon, who will lead those present at the Ecop, uh, the epic fundraising event into and through an hour of reflection. NAE Networks have worked alongside Be Positive as their charity of the year for the last 10 months 
and have set themselves a fundraising target of £25,000. This has already been exceeded uh, through employees' activities such as coffee mornings, raffles, Christmas jumper days and others. The fundraising total currently stands at £34,000 and the company hopes the walking challenge will help raise even more. Despite having 1,036 live planning applications to deal with, Armagh City, Banbridge and Craigavonborough Council's planning caseload is moving in the right direction, the local authority's head of planning has said. Addressing a meeting of the committee on Wednesday, July the 5th, Damien Mulligan said the number of live planning applications had decreased by 52 when June's caseload figures were compared with those recorded in May. He described this decline as very good news, before noting that another three decisions made by planning officers have been called in by councillors for reconsideration. The number of decisions issued by the department in June was 187, he said. The number of applications received over the same period was 135, and the live caseload is 1,036, which is 52 down on last month, and this is very good news. It means our caseload is being driven down and going in the right direction. The number of call-ins over that period was three, which brings it to nine for the year to, to date. He also explained that another technical issue has hit the planning portal, which was introduced in December 2022, meaning the council's planners were unable to present quarterly enforcement statistics to the meeting as planned. I just want to mention that we were supposed to bring an enforcement quarterly report to you this month, but unfortunately we have not been able to gather those statistics because of an issue with the IT system, he said. They will come before you at the next meeting, scheduled for Wednesday, September 6th, and we hope in the interim we will be able to correct that and bring the figures to you at that point. Staff at commercial carpet tile manufacturer Interface in Craigavon have given charity a big boost through a series of fundraising initiatives. More than £5,000 has been handed over to Cancer Focus Northern Ireland, raised as part of the charity shop challenge with business in the community. Among the fundraising initiatives were a quiz night with a raffle and partnering with local primary schools and Patrick's Primary School, Aga Common, to do a green day where children wore green to school to celebrate St Patrick's Day and raise money and awareness for Cancer Focus NI. Staff also took over the Charity Focus NI charity shop in Banbridge for the day on May 19th, which they kitted out with their own donated merchandise. Throughout the challenge, they were encouraged to use their business acumen to increase sales and drive donations. Up against other businesses across Northern Ireland, Interface was awarded the Community Collaboration, Highest Increase in Sales, Team Star and Spotlight on Sustainability Awards by Cancer Focus NI and Business in the Community at a special celebration lunch. Cancer Focus NI provides care and support services for cancer patients and their families across Northern Ireland, as well as offering a range of cancer prevention programmes to help people lessen the risk of getting cancer and funds scientific research into the causes and treatment of the disease. Rosie Forsyth, Corporate Fundraising Manager, Cancer Focus NI, said, 
The team at Interface have been amazing participants in the Charity Shop Challenge and we are delighted that they have raised so much for our charity. DUP MP Carla Lockhart has said she was honoured to bring the Secretary of State to Lurgan for the 12th and to give him a baptism of culture. The Upper Ban representative believes that the region excelled in terms of Orange Order and Royal Black Preceptory Parades. She said, what a display of culture. Lurgan, Lockbrickland, Portadown, Scarva, Bambridge and every town and village in between excelled. It was an honour to host the Secretary of State, Chris Heaton-Harris, at the County Armagh Parade in Lurgan. With over 50,000 spectators, 70 bands and hundreds of orange men, he got a baptism of culture. We have had some very direct conversations with him in recent days about the perceived lack of understanding of unionism and our culture. Yesterday was a great opportunity for him to see firsthand the rich fabric of pageantry, colour and faith that makes our 12th of July so special. It is important that he continues to be receptive to both our concerns and aspirations as we move forward in Northern Ireland. Well done to Lurgan District Loyal Orange Lodge No. 6 for an exceptional day. The day could not have happened without the super team of organisers. District Master David Martin and his officers went over and above when hosting this exceptional 12th demonstration. Of the County Down 12th in Loch Brickland, she said, thousands lined the streets, a great display of bands, lodges and lambeg drums could be seen by all. A massive well done to all involved in the organisation. It was a great day out. Of the 12th, sorry, of the 13th celebration, she said, 100,000 spectators, 75 bands, hundreds of men amongst the Black Lodges descended on Scarva for an exceptional day of culture and pageantry. Well done to the superb Royal Black Preceptory 1000 for organising another hugely successful day. It's hard to believe, but it is getting bigger and better every year. It was great to meet Lurgan Royal Black District Chapter Number 2 on their return parade from Bangor, as always exceptionally turned out with the Scottish links as strong as ever. We have now come to the end of our recording for this week. <coughs> We're actually looking for some volunteers as some of our volunteers have left because they have retired and one or two have stepped back through to illness. So if you have any family or friends who might be interested in helping us, they might want to know that everything is scripted so they don't need to make anything up and they must be able to climb a flight of stairs. We meet in Portadown, as you know. If you're interested or one of your family or friends is interested, if you just stick a note in your wallet, I'll pick it up. Make sure you put your phone number in it as well and I'll contact you. Our thanks to the team of volunteers who edited and recorded this week and to Mackles for collecting the Portadown Times and Lurgan Mail for us and to the Presbyterian Church for the use of the studio. Editing the news with me this week were William McKen. Our technician was William and reading with me this week were Roberta and Ken. From the newsroom at the Old Man's, this is Patricia signing off. Thank you for spending time with us. All our good wishes for the week ahead. Our team will be back with you in four weeks' time. 
Please remember to return your wallet and memory stick. Sound News is a Craigavon Talking Newspaper production.